0: Hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop. How about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking queer money on the road this summer and fall. Visit queermoneypodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Would you like to make more money? Of course you would. Who wouldn't? But how? We've got the side hustle queen on this week's queer money to share her story of getting started. You're listening to Queer Money, episode 230. This week, we're talking with Daniela Flores of the I Like to Dabble blog. She's a serial side hustler that is helping others build bigger and better lives by earning more, and guess what? She's one of us. She's a queer blogger. Thank you again for listening to the show. If you have questions, comments, or show topic suggestions, head over to the Queer Money Facebook group and post your question there, or send us an email to questions at debtfreeguys.com. Now, let's chat with Daniela. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is queer money. And now, a quick word from our sponsor Capital One's checking and savings accounts have no fees and no minimums. And with one of the best saving rates in America, you can rest easy watching your money grow with no fees to bring you down. You can open an account in about five minutes, which means you are only about five minutes away from getting your savings to grow with one of the nation's best rates.
1: Find out why the debt lasso method is a better way than the snowball or avalanche method for paying off your credit card debt by getting your free debt lasso calculator at debtlasso.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the show, Daniela. We are super excited to have you on the show this
0: week.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Definitely. So for all of you who are not familiar with Daniela, Daniela runs the website I Like to Dabble. And earlier this year, she published an article that made my heart jump for joy because it's a topic John and I have been talking about for years. And we are so excited to see more and more and more queer people joining us and doing this. The title of the article is Why We Need to Be Talking More About the LGBTQIA community when we talk about money. The fact of the matter is that there are, is still such a small voice, but we are so excited that there is a growing number of individuals in the LGBT community who are not only doing things themselves to improve their financial situation, but they realize that there is almost a responsibility maybe be even beyond that, a value in sharing that knowledge with other people so that we can help lift the community up. So many of our communities struggle. I would encourage you to go read that article on Daniela's site. It was super comprehensive. I was kind of jealous. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was a fantastic article. What this kind of brings to light for me, and this is the first question for Daniela, It's around this idea, there are so many in the LGBT community that feel stuck with where they are at or what they have, and you were a software engineer in what is traditionally known to be an above-average paying field. What gave you the audacity to say, I want even more than this, and I want to pursue this idea of side hustles and blogging? why did you want to do that? That's
2: a great question. So I haven't always been a software engineer. And when I started side hustling, it was very much out of that place of feeling really stuck. I first started side hustling right out of college. I had started a job as a web engineer, which sounds really fancy, but the pay that came with it was not. (laughs) (laughs) I started as an unpaid intern. I later was hired full-time, making $30,000 a year. And after health, insurance and everything that gets taken out. It was barely $2,000 a month. I had gotten laid off from that job. I went back to waiting tables and started freelancing. So I took some of that knowledge from my first job, of course, my knowledge from my degree, and I went out and actually found my first gigs in freelancing, which was I freelanced in web design and web development. I found those first gigs on Craigslist, which funny enough, yeah, I know it was kind of weird, but this was back in 2012 when I used the gig section on Craigslist, which I'm not sure how trustworthy that section is now. Mm. However, the very first client I found through that section was a former client I'd worked with at Integrity, which was the place that I had worked with originally. And so I got introduced to freelancing in the world of freelancing. and I had continued on with freelancing and web development for about a year. And in that same year, I found a job with Lord and Taylor. I started as it was associate programmer position, very much store level IT. I was helping store associates scan shoes, make sure their sales apps worked correctly, making sure their network was up correctly, like that sort of low level customer service and IT. And then I found myself in 2017, fast forward to 2017 and I finally created my blog. I actually created that out of kind of this desperation. I was in the middle of a back-to-back layoff. I got laid off from Lord and Taylor because just retail is not that stable of an area, especially with IT. They went through several mergers and I just kind of made the list, I guess, the docket for the layoff. And then I started a small job with Veteran Affairs Office as a consultant. And when I was there, I kind of came to this like slow halt, I guess, with my productivity and kind of my work style. Because when you work in IT, especially somebody that does customer support, it's very like high paced. You're on call a lot. You're putting out, I guess, quote, quote quote, unquote, fires which is kind of just like problems that's happening at the stores. You have to help make sure they get resolved as soon as possible so the stores don't lose money. So I went from that to working for the government, which is very slow, and I hated it. I was probably the only woman out of everyone I talked to every single day. It was such a disconnect, and I, I just felt kind of powerless. So I started reading online about blogging, and I wanted to create a hobby blog. So I originally created the hobby blog. I didn't really like where it was going. eventually tweaked um, and went in a different direction but what i really wanted to do was you know i took the knowledge i had from web development i knew what i was doing with wordpress because i'd created custom wordpress themes before and i wanted to create something out of it you know out of this desperation where it's like i have so much is out of my control with my career i'd been laid off i had this new job at the va i was getting my blog you know kind of the bare bones together and then just a couple of months down the road from that point i'd gotten laid off again oh jeez yeah and i it was that's that one year Two layoffs. My wife and I had just gotten married and then she got laid off. It was just there's just so much control taken out of my hands. And it's like I so I just started, you know, exploring side hustles more. It'd been a couple of years since my freelancing. I'd still like, you know, sold online a little bit here and there. I knew there was a different way. It's like especially working in tech, it's like it can't be like this going through so many layoffs, especially I was in my mid twenties. I just I knew there had to be another way to kind of put more control back in my own hands.
1: I think it's interesting your story, because we're often sold this paradigm that you want to go work for corporate America somewhere so that you can have this job security that seems to elude so many people these days. But I think that was that was kind of created during the industrial revolution when you were a cog on an assembly line. And it was just a lot easier to keep an employee than it was to retrain one. Well, that's no longer the case today. And that job security that we continue to be sold from corporate America and even government positions doesn't really exist. So it's either A level playing field, or it may even be more advantageous to go down the entrepreneurial path.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what led me to that path.
0: It's interesting that you use this whole discussion around security and feel like the power was being taken away from you. I think so many folks are scared to take the leap to get into some sort of side business. One, because it takes time to ramp up right i mean there are some things that you can do to get started right away to earn money but if you want to earn a sizable amount of money it's going to take some time so people either get frustrated or they don't want to put in the time or they simply don't have the time because of their circumstances so you mentioned you were doing some side gig work with your tech skills but you also mentioned something about selling stuff. (laughs) So what are some of the things you've done to make money?
2: Well, I have been, I guess, a serial side hustler since I was a teenager, but my first legit side hustle had to have been when I started freelancing and web development because that's when I actually started reporting taxes. I mean, I sold little things online here and there, but nothing that was noteworthy enough to actually report taxes on. There were things that were like of Facebook marketplace or Poshmark or eBay, but they weren't like big things. And I didn't really know anything about reselling. They were just selling things that I had and I needed extra cash for it. But the actual, from when I'd started freelancing and web development, which I actually didn't stick with for very long after that first year, you know, at my first job well, it was my second job at the time at Lauren Taylor and being on call on the time, I didn't really have the time for my side hustle. So I kind of had to abandon it. But from that point on, the other things that i kind of got on to do to make extra money was I, so I used to be a big gamer and I had actually would go onto Craigslist and buy PlayStations. They were mostly PlayStation 2s and PlayStation 3s and would try to find ones that were kind of, that had like weird problems with them. The people say like, oh, they didn't work or they would partially work because I knew kind of some of the normal problems that would be wrong with them. And I, they're usually quick fixes. So I would buy them, repair them and resell them. Back either on eBay or Craigslist. And some other things I've done is reselling is something I still do, which is when my wife and I would go to thrift stores or eBay, garage sales or yard sales, and we find things that we know are in demand, like brand name bags, shoes. My wife is really into guitars and musical instruments, as well as like power tools. We know power tools sell really well. But my wife she gets most of the credit for this stuff because she has an amazing guitar flipping business that she does mostly through eBay. Oh, and nice. she's the one who's kind of, yeah, and she's the one who's got me introduced to like the real way to do it. You know, how much you need to buy your stuff for, what you need to price it as to cover shipping and packing supplies and all those things. Because I'm more the ADHD kind of mindset where I'm just like, oh, I got to sell this right now. I need the cash. And she's like, no, we need to be kind of calculated about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Strategize. So you're a team.
2: Yeah, we are. Yeah. So the selling part is still, you know, it's mostly her thing now. Because a lot of my energy does go towards I like to dabble in my blog. But I also do freelance writing. I've gotten very much into freelance design as well. A lot of my side hustles towards the end of college or right after I got out of college was I would live paint at festivals and like EDM sort of style shows. Because a lot of the venues here in St. Louis will let you go to them for free if you want to live paint, quote unquote, live paint, which is just you show up and you just paint while you're there. And you can bring pieces with you that you want to sell. And then I usually never price the pieces when I have them out. I just have people come up and offer me stuff, uh, offer me the amount that they want to buy it for. And then I usually tell them how much I want to sell it for. And that's something I did for a little bit. And then, you know, it's another one of those things where like, I didn't really have the time for it anymore. And I just kind of abandoned. But that definitely led into me doing a lot of the design work that I do. And it is all very self-taught too, for the most part. I did do like web design as a minor in college, but... A lot of the graphic design that I do now is mostly self taught.
1: So then the name of your website is actually pretty legit, right? Because you've dabbled <laughs> in quite a bit, huh?
2: Yes, that is, that's kind of where it came from. Even though the original, when I first formed that domain name, you know, when I bought it on GoDaddy, I was looking at a bunch of domain names and I wanted to do a hobby blog, mostly honing in on crafts. So I like to dabble, it was supposed to be like for crafts and hobbies. But I, Quickly lost interest in that because at the time we were so focused on our finances and a lot of our energy went to side hustles. And people were asking me all the time, including my friends and family, like, Oh, how do I get started doing this? Or where would I go to look for gigs for this? And so I thought I might start writing about the very side hustles we were doing, as well as, you know, kind of giving some background information for others that don't know really how to start blogging or what WordPress is Um, and just kind of create a side hustle resource out of that. This is, of course, over the span of Probably that whole first year of my blog, it went in so many different directions until mm. I finally, you know, I found my groove and it's like, okay, this is what I wanted to do. This is where I wanted to go.
1: Nice. Well, how did you know then when you landed on the right thing? What were the indications?
2: The indication was <laughs> when I tried to write about hobbies or crafting or just anything that was trying to make a fit, like what I wanted to do with the blog, I wasn't really that, I guess, invested in it. I didn't really enjoy it, especially like when I craft or when I do any sort of hobby thing, paint, I don't want to sit there and take a picture of every kind of process I'm doing and, you know, like analyze what's supposed to be something that's very relaxing for me. So it made it very stressful. And I was like, I can't do this. I don't think this is the right direction to go with this blog. And I have no idea what I would do with it if this is what I'm going to do. So I'd actually, you know, I first started writing just a couple of things about, you know, what we were doing, like side hustles we're doing to pay off debt or these little things. And some of the questions I was getting is like, Oh, this is like, this is some stuff, I guess there's a gap out there. These people don't know where to go and find this information. They don't know about all these different platforms. You can find freelance gigs on or the different selling platforms that are out there. People can use to either resell items online or sell their own stuff online that aren't eBay and Craigslist. There's other stuff out there and what to do with that side hustle money. Like how do you pay self-employment taxes? You know where do you save that money? What do you do when you know? Obviously, the budget comes into play. Like, how does this all you know come together? And at the same time, we're learning that too. So it was, it was more like a. I guess it just fell in line with our life at the time, and it kind of like it made me really excited when I started writing about it. So I was like, okay, this is what I want to do instead. This is what I'm excited about.
0: I love that. It's so familiar sounding because you're describing what so many people in many different spaces, but especially in the law of attraction space talk about this whole idea of you don't need to be swimming upstream. When you're swimming upstream, it's just so much more difficult. And when it starts to feel right, you know you're heading in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. It it doesn't mean you're going to be instantaneously overflowing with cash or sales or whatever the case may be, but if it doesn't feel right, don't force it. If you're forcing it, you're not going to stick with it very long. It's kind of like what John and I said when we were paying off our debt. If we didn't have at least a little bit of fun during the whole process, we knew we were going to give up. If you want to start a business and you're forcing it and it's and you're struggling with it, it's likely it's not going to last for very long.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I'm curious, are you seeing with the way the economy is going post-COVID or I guess we're not really post-COVID, it's kind of mid-COVID. Are you seeing a spike in traffic to your site and people more interested in starting side hustles and gig jobs?
2: Yes, I am now. Of course, when COVID First, I guess came on the scene back in March, April, May. Those were the months where my traffic dropped a lot, but I guess not really a lot because I'm thinking of it more along the lines of the ad network that I'm a part of. So MediaVine, you know, at the beginning of the year there was really high ad earnings on stuff. Of course, it depends on the content on your site, but the ad earnings dropped by more than half. Like in March, it just like plummeted, and <laughs> they're like they're just they let everybody know like oh our the ad spend is very low. People, traffic is dropping in some niches, but of course not all niches. So I did experience a large traffic drop, an earnings drop, um, and then that did kick back up in about July.
0: I remember right when that was being discussed in the blogosphere about what was going on, not only with ad spend, but with traffic. Being part of the FinCon community, we were seeing our peers talk about it. But also from articles I was reading online, it was amazing to me that that we were seeing individuals, especially people in the travel space, they were seeing traffic and income drop by 70 to 80%. We ourselves experienced, I think in April, I think April was our lowest month, from the previous year, we had a 35% drop off in our traffic. It was natural, right? I mean, everyone's eyes were on news and other things, and it sounds like for you, it has drifted back in the right direction.
2: Yes. Yeah, April was definitely one of the lowest months for me as well.
1: Yeah, we saw yeah, we saw a big drop and it was kind of depressing. <laughs> but we've seen a, an increase since I guess that highlights an interesting and important point that there
0: will be events, national or world events, or there will be seasonality that is going to affect your income when you have a side hustle or any business, right? You have to think ahead for those kinds of things. Unfortunately, we see so many businesses today that are shuttered because of this. And and a lot of, from what we're hearing is that these businesses were running for what many of us would probably call paycheck on a paycheck to paycheck basis they weren't really generating enough income to set money aside so they could weather some sort of storm it's like what we see so many in the real world doing with their personal finances and that's
1: kind of unfortunate so i'm curious what in your opinion what makes a successful side hustle
2: successful side hustle i don't want to say there is you know this is the exact successful side hustle you should do or this is a you know this is a set field of side hustles you should do because these are the successful ones but i think it comes down to three things you have to first do some research about what's in demand know what your schedule is the kind of time that you have to commit to it either weekly or monthly and what kind of side hustles that would work with your personality type so one of the examples I like to bring up a lot in this kind of conversation, because I've been asked this question a lot, is I have a friend who runs a popular tarantula and reptile YouTube channel. Yeah. It's, it has blown up <laughs> in the last couple of years and it's her only job and she supports like her family on it. Yeah, it's really cool. She's actually the one who got my wife kind of onto tarantulas for a second as a hobby. Yeah. And we have one tarantula now. And that's one thing where it's like, all right, that's a great side hustle. I mean, originally it was her side hustle. And now it's her full-time job, and she's killing it. But for me, that's not something I could do. I would never hold a tarantula or most restiles, but she's great at that. I've been able to create a successful blog about side hustles and personal finance. That's probably something that she wouldn't be able to do. But we also have very different personality types. Like She's very comfortable in video. She's very natural at it, and I'm still getting comfortable with video kind of pushing myself with it doing TikToks and Instagram reels but oh thank you so i mean yeah so i think you have to be familiar with your personality type something that you enjoy doing something that's in demand and that you have the time to commit to it so of course it's going to be difficult with people that have multiple kids and multiple commitments after their job and there are days and weeks where i struggle with it as well it's and i feel very overwhelmed but i always you know kind of come back to like my schedule and kind of everything I have going on and like look at it holistically and just there's days where I kind of have to force myself to do things. But I mean, successful side hustles, like on the side of that, like knowing what would work for you is there are a lot of online side hustles that do very well. Like freelancing is something I always recommend for people just to take a look at to think about what kind of skills you have that you can transfer to maybe an online freelancing sort of gig. You can find gigs You know, if you don't want to get set up on a platform like Fiverr or Upwork, which are two freelance platforms that you can set up profiles on for free, you can also look for freelance gigs like on Facebook groups, networking with others on Twitter, or, you know, how I found my first freelance gig, which was Craigslist, but never meet anybody in person by yourself.
0: (laughs) So it's interesting. I see this as a regular theme that a lot of folks that start to have a measure of success with their side hustle, where it turns into what looks like it has the potential to become a full-time business. It literally is something that they already had as a hobby or really enjoyed doing. And there's a level of passion and excitement around around it that's paired with this idea of making money.
2: Yes. Yeah, I think having a successful side hustle definitely has to play into the fact that you enjoy doing it. So side hustles has always been this kind of weird hobby that I've had. I've been kind of a scrappy person. I've always been able to scrounge up extra cash when I've needed it. And it just, it's kind of come naturally to me. So it's kind of been a hobby for me, and it's always been something I enjoy. And like with my friend with her tarantula YouTube, that was her hobby before, and now she gets to monetize her hobby.
0: Nice. This podcast is sponsored by Capital One. Capital One is redesigning the banking experience by offering simple, straightforward, and seamless ways for you to bank from almost anywhere, so banking fits into your life, not the other way around.
1: Hi, I'm Louise Chernin. I am with Washington State's LGBTQ and Allied Chamber of Commerce. We are about business development, looking at everything through the eye of equality, equity, diversity, and inclusion, and investing over $600,000 a year in LGBTQ students. Join us. Check out the gsba.org. We welcome everybody.
0: So let me ask you, let's go over to the queer side of the conversation. And I kind of asked this at the outset, what made you have the audacity to say, I want more? And clearly there were some drivers. So some of it was out of necessity. But when you think about being a queer woman, has this helped or hindered or maybe helped in some ways and hindered in others, that you have this side business now, side hustle business?
2: Well, that's a great question. So when I think about, as a queer woman, if it if that's hindered my side hustle opportunities, you know, and partnerships, I'm not sure, because I don't know for sure if I've, you know, I've ever been discriminated against behind closed doors or behind the scenes. But I think when I think about what if it's helped me, it's helped me tremendously. I never knew about kind of the LGBT queer community within the personal finance space until I actually met you two at FinCon last year. And then I kind of started like following and networking, networking with a couple of people on Twitter and the kind of support and like just how welcoming and nice and just like a wealth of resource that people I found online within the personal finance space that were queer. It kind of opened my mind because at the time I wasn't open. Like I didn't outright say like, hi, I'm a queer woman on my blog. It just, I kind of put it in front of my users' faces like, this is me and my wife, deal with it. <laughs> That's like all it was. Like there was no like background, just like, oh, we're married and yada, yada, yada. It was actually after meeting you two that I was inspired to be open about who I was on my blog. I kind of be more direct with, I am a queer woman, this is my wife and, you know, kind of talking more about who we are. And since doing that, it's given me more confidence than I've ever felt in my day job.
0: Awesome. I absolutely love that because I think there are so many queer people who are scared or worried, who have, they always feel like maybe they're set up for some sort of failure. So many of us have dealt with things that in life that have given us skills, that have given us some emotional assets, creative assets that allow us to do things different than what other people can do, and maybe even do some things that other people can't do. And when we realize that and we use that and expose that, you're going to find that people are attracted to that. I love what you're doing. I love that on the side of your blog, it says, hey, I'm Daniela. I am a serial side hustler, entrepreneur, and cat lover. Over the past two and a half years, my wife Alexandra and I have been able to pay off $35,000 in debt partially thanks to side hustles and getting our financial shit together. (laughs) so first of all I love the fact that you say it like it is and that's so important getting our financial shit together is one of the best ways that we can help each other in the LGBT community to be examples for each other tell our stories it's those stories that we get inspired by and why we believe we need more folks especially queer folks in the personal finance space
1: I'm curious, as you've reached more financial autonomy, how has your confidence and your outlook on the world and what you believe yourself capable of achieving changed?
2: It's changed tremendously. The stuff I'm doing today, three and a half years when I first started my blog, I never imagined I would be doing. I mean, sitting on this podcast right now, I I couldn't even imagine it. And something else that came up, that's come up a lot recently too, I guess, is I've I guess I've got gained more of a following on Instagram, and a large part of that following is very much Latina, and there aren't very many openly queer Latinas, especially in the personal finance space. And I've gotten a lot of the time now, a lot of these women are coming to me, and they're like, "I've never seen a openly queer Latina like you doing all these things." For one, a software engineer, and you're running this website on the side, and you're encouraging other Latinas that they can also build wealth. And like and you actually own assets like you you know but also like I'm I'm half American half white like my mom is white but my dad is from Venezuela so I definitely have that leg up or my mom is very much probably the financial guru in the family that's given me a lot of that knowledge it's completely shifted my entire outlook just on like my entire life like the rest of my life cuz I didn't even think about financial independence or being able to leave my day job one day or being able to move out of the state, which is my wife and I are getting ready to do this next month in October, we're moving cross country. But three years ago, none of that was on my mind at all. I didn't even think about it.
1: And this is the very reason why we need more queer people to share in whatever platform they're most comfortable doing it, how they're achieving financial success and, and autonomy. Because we have so few examples of LGBTQ people who are successful. And if they are, it seems to be relegated to entertainment. That's not to disparage queer people in entertainment, but we do more than entertain people. We do more than dress people and do hair. And so the more people that we see in the different kinds of ways are succeeding in the different varieties that they are, that's why it's, it's, it's just so important that more of us share our stories to be an inspiration to the masses of us who are struggling or feel, as David alluded to earlier, who feel stuck and don't think that they have options. All these varieties of successful people show that regardless of where you come from, your background and your story, there is an opportunity for the success that, that we all want. So I'm curious, when you, when you see all the struggles that LGBTQ people have, emotional, financial health, whatnot, what side hustles do you think are, are most conducive to LGBTQ plus people? Or is there not really a, one particular one or, or a few particular ones?
2: So when I think of most lucrative, conducive side hustles for the LGBTQ community, I I don't want to say there's any one perfect one, but of course we do excel in the, the creative side of things, open-minded. And the queer people I know the people in the community here in St. Louis, I mean, their minds work in ways that I, I don't know many other people to work that way. They're just so multifaceted. But I do want to say the side hustles to stay away from because those in our community are susceptible to, I don't want to say online predators, but you know people that will try to get you to sign up for things that are essentially scams, like multi-level marketing, which are you know things that back in the day used to be like pampered chef, but. I own some Pampered Chef stuff because my mom used to do (laughs) Pampered Chef. But it's like, okay, Pampered Chef is probably one of the good ones. But I mean, like now you have like a huge amount of these multi-level marketing companies that they slide into your DMs on Instagram, now on TikTok. You know, if you post anything bad about them, you know, to try to raise awareness for others to stay away from them, they will bully you on your messages and comments. I get these crazy messages from people I've never met in my life because I try to raise the awareness about how much. These companies will try to take advantage of you and the large majority of people don't make any money working for them. So you want to, you know, stay away from any kind of DMS that are like, Hey, you want to join my team and work from home and, you know, make money from your couch doing nothing. Hmm. That's not really realistic. Another one of those things are like, you know, the weight loss body shake kind of people that will try to pop in your DMs. So I get a lot of them there because they see that I'm like a runner and stuff. Or, you know, that my wife and I like to hike and they're like, oh, we have these great fitness shakes. Your wife and you should be ambassadors for us and you can make all this extra money. It's like, no. But that's I only know to say no because I've fallen for scams before.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and other ones are like Forex trading, which I, I've heard is not a good thing to go after. I'm not really sure what it is. But when you don't know what it is, don't do it.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's a fundamental rule of investing. If you don't understand it, don't buy it. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yes. So these kind of companies go after low-income individuals, individuals that live in like rural communities, especially not just women, but they do target women. And I do know a couple of queer women that have been targeted for some of these companies, especially the fitness end of the companies. I don't know why they, they message me so much either, but I don't know why it's a thing. Just stay away from it. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to go back to this point that John made and, and kind of into what you're talking about here, that being familiar with what you want to do as a side hustle, being kind of cautious to what's being presented out there. There are so many things. We are so many different kinds of people. The types of things that we have as jobs or hobbies right now are, are just as varied in our community as the world in general. So do you feel like just because you see people having success on YouTube as a makeup blogger or a drag queen, what are some of the traditional side hustles of folks in the queer community are having, they're having success at, you don't have to feel like that you have to do that to fit into that mold. Go after what you love and are already enjoy doing. You know, if you're a queer mechanic and you want to talk about mechanics, do it, whatever it is, you know. I think sometimes thinking outside of the norm of what LGBT persons may be doing is a great way to find that there's, you're actually finding something that's maybe more appealing or interesting. And, And maybe people outside of the LGBT community may be inspired by and attracted to you because of that.
1: Well, and I would think, I think all of us have some sort of specialty that we don't think is a specialty, right? So we go to school, we go to college, we get these degrees, and we kind of think that we have this myopic perspective that we're good at this one thing that I went to school for and I have this degree in. But like you said, we're multifaceted. And, and I would argue, and maybe Danielle, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that your friend who's making all this money and supporting their family on a tarantula's salary, that had you asked them before they started making that kind of money, do you think you could support your whole family um, talking about reptiles and spiders? She probably would have said, no way, right? <laughs>
2: Yeah, she probably would have said no way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, this isn't to say that everybody's specialty is is, is going to you know be able to support their entire family, but there's um, I would argue that we all have some sort of a niche or a specialty that we're, we're maybe not even considering that could at the very least provide some side income, and that can be life changing in and of itself.
2: Oh yeah, exactly. We all have our specific craft or knacks, the things that we're good at. You know, the things that we enjoy doing that maybe we would. Realize or notice a certain detail of something that somebody else won't.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, there's like a myriad of options of what people can choose from. And I think sometimes people get confused with all the options that, that there are available. What would you suggest, maybe the first three or, or five uh, step for somebody to get started who were, was considering a side hustle? How would you like, what would, if you were to just, just start brand new today, what, what would you suggest they do?
2: I would first recommend that they just start with a piece of paper and a pen and brain dump ideas. So these could be ideas that they've had maybe for a while, new ideas that come to their mind as they start jotting down their ideas, then reread that list and highlight ones that immediately give you a smile. Like, and you can immediately visualize yourself already doing it. So that's going to be a little bit difficult for others that are like, you know, for some rather than others. And then maybe write down some skill sets that you have. So if there's like if so from the initial list, if it's kind of hard to maybe highlight those, write down your skill sets and then write down some skill sets that maybe you want to learn or build upon. I also love the Ikigai model. So it's like this model I originally found it on YouTube. I was watching, I can't remember whose channel it was, but he was like an entrepreneur kind of mentor guy. And he was talking about the Ikigai model where you put in the middle essentially like what you want to do. And it has these little areas that branch out like basically like how could you make money with it? How does it serve others? Um, there's like four different areas and you just fill in the model. One that's helped me was I created like a mind map on paper. It was just like with circles and in the middle is what the side hustle was, which is blogging. And then you kind of map out like, how will you make money? Who can you partner with? What's kind of content, like with the pillars that you'll focus on? And then you kind of like map out each one. So it just challenges you to think more bigger picture of like how maybe it'll all work. It doesn't have to be exactly that way as you map it out just to like help you think about it.
1: I like that you recommended including topics that you would like to learn about. Because I don't know that a lot of people know this, but the sort of the personal finance space, uh, the you know the virtual personal finance space, really started from a couple of people who were abysmal with their finances. And they felt that if they came out of the closet about their finances and committed publicly that they were going to do whatever they could to improve it, people gravitated toward that. Because then it wasn't like you had this sort of expert lecturing you on how to be better with your money it was oh this guy or woman is equal to me we were on the same page we've gone through the same experiences and now have the same struggles i'll watch them as they grow and then i'll also grow with them so if you want to learn something get yourself to the point where you're comfortable enough to say hey i don't know how to do this but i'm going to learn how to do this and if you want to follow me along in my journey then you can learn how to do it too and uh, there's a lot of opportunity in that
2: Oh yeah, there's a ton of opportunity in that. And that's a I mean a lot of people online, that's how their communities are. That's how they got started is they started, you know, with an idea and they're like, I'm going to try to do this. You can follow along my journey.
0: Nice. Yeah, I I, th- I think of how a lot of blogs originally started. Folks were telling their stories or online journaling or what they were doing, and people were attracted to what they were either doing or saying. They either wanted to be on that journey themselves with that person, or maybe they just love the way that person tells their story of what they're doing or how they write. So your blog says you used your side hustle to pay off some of your debt. When it comes to paying off debt and using a side hustle to start or get yourself going on that, what are some of the benefits or pitfalls you see in using a side hustle to pay off debt?
2: So I guess I'm going to start with the upsides of it. So the upsides of side hustling to pay off your debt is, you know, it's great that you have all this extra money coming in, but you need to make sure that that money is actually going towards your debts. You know, that the budget creep definitely comes into play there, which kind of goes into the pitfalls area. And then once you do pay off that debt, you then have a new like opening for your side hustle money to go to. It can either go to savings or investments or investing back into your side hustle. Maybe you want to outsource certain parts of it, or let's say invest in a site redesign, that sort of thing. And it definitely fast tracks the debt payoff process too. It was able to fast track it for us. So like at the time, you know, we were able to bring in good enough salaries that, If we really penny-pinched it, meaning we didn't go on any trips, we didn't go out to eat, we didn't, you know, really do anything, we probably wouldn't be able to get the same debt payoff in the same amount of time. But we wanted to travel. We wanted to do the things we wanted to do. So, you know, we were still able to stick to our budget, have that side hustle money go towards our debt, but we were still able to take the trips that we wanted to take too. That brings me to the pitfall though, which we definitely fell into the budget creep where... (laughs) There was a year where we traveled probably a little too much. One of my best friends, he wanted to go to Vegas for his birthday. You know, my wife was like, we probably shouldn't do that. I was like, oh, it's fine. We have points. Airfare is going to be free. All this stuff. All I have to pay for, like the hotel was basically free too through Southwest points. So like booking it on the portal, it was basically free. Except I forgot that everything in Vegas when you go out is really expensive. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, those little things where it's like, I didn't really put to, it's like, oh, we have all this extra money now. And that was actually towards the end of our debt payoff too. And it's like, oh, we could do whatever we want. And it's like, no, we need to go back to the drawing board, regroup, look at our goals. We knocked out the debt goal. You know, we need to keep progressing forward. There's a new horizon here.
0: Yes, I think that's one of the reasons back when we were first starting the podcast, we did a podcast episode, why we chose to pay off debt before making money. And I think a lot of people fall into this hole. As soon as they start to make more money or see the evidence that they may be starting to make some more money, then all of a sudden, cha-ching, they start to ring up the expenses and, and they find themselves sliding backwards when it comes to their debt.
1: Yeah, for most people, they don't have an income problem. There are exceptions, of course, but most people don't have an income problem. They have a spending problem. And that's how you can wind up the President of the United States and have $400 million of debt. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But we're not being political. <laughs> no. So what do you see as the biggest obstacle for people just getting started? Actually just like pulling the trigger and getting started. And how do you overcome that?
2: So I know the biggest obstacle for a lot of people is – You know, if they want to do something where it involves a website, like if they wanted to blog or they want to do something where they have to show their portfolio online, like with freelancing, they have no idea where to start with a website. You know, creating websites, using WordPress is like a second nature to me, but it's not for other people. I do get a lot of questions around that, and that's a big pain point. Another one is legally covering it. There's So a lot of people don't know when you have a side hustle that you have to pay taxes on that side hustle money. (laughs) Uh, It seems very obvious, but it's not... Really? I didn't know that back in the day. And it was, you know, a hurdle I had to get over too. So I would say the legal side, especially taxes. So there are quarterly taxes you have to pay each quarter. That's because of the self-employment tax that your employer usually pays for you at your day job. But since you are self-employed with your side hustle, no one's paying that self-employment tax that's that's owed because you're bringing in that extra money now. And another thing is you want to make sure that all that side hustle money is separate. In a separate business bank account, which you actually don't need like an LLC for. You can still register for your employer identification number with your social security number, like as a sole proprietor, and be able to open your own business bank account. So then you can keep that money separate. That's another mistake I've made was I would have everything go to the same PayPal account that like my Spotify subscription was coming out of, my Netflix subscription was coming out of back in the first year of my blog. And that is a big no-no. So website is a big one, but there are so many hosting providers now that really give you like step by step, even handhold you through the process of creating your website and will even show you how to use WordPress. Um, I know my own posting provider, GoDaddy, does that. Um, and they'll also help you like when you have problems with your site if something's not working right, or you know, getting your SSL set up and just kind of like all that techie stuff that maybe makes no sense to you right now, they will help you every step of the way. So yeah, there's definitely little hurdles to kind of get around like that tech hurdle of a website maybe using any platforms like Fiverr or Upwork. You just kind of have to put that time in to get familiar with it for your taxes, maybe look into getting an accountant in case that's maybe something that's too overwhelming for you. So there, there are ways to get around those.
1: Yeah, as many of our listeners know, we had Manny Kosame on the podcast to talk about the second you think you're going to start a business to keep your business and your personal finances separate because um, having them be too closely tied together can get really kaluji for you. But with regard to the website. I think WordPress is daunting to a lot of people. I think it, it can take a while if you're unless you're technically savvy to feel comfortable with it. And I know it's the best web platform to use. What are your thoughts on other web platforms that are more sort of like plug and play?
2: So I experimented with a couple. I tried Squarespace out because I heard a lot of really great things from other creatives. So these were people that were Their main job was like either design or like video editing or something like that. And their Squarespace was mostly for like their portfolio. And by the looks of it, I thought, oh, wow, this must be really easy to set up. So I tried to do that. And I guess as someone who normally uses WordPress all the time, Squarespace was a whole other game. And I was like, this seems even more complicated. I didn't really put that much time into it to kind of figure it all out. I just wanted to explore it for my audience. I think WordPress is still more simple than Squarespace, but... A great idea though, like if you want to put together a portfolio, I actually heard this originally on the Side Hustle Nation podcast. Uh, Nick Loper, he had somebody on, I can't remember her name, but she does all of her freelancing, like her services through LinkedIn. Her portfolio is actually her LinkedIn profile, but she structured it in a way where it looks like a website. But it's just really using the sections in LinkedIn to make it look like a portfolio rather than a resume. And it was actually a really interesting thing. So it's a great option for somebody who one doesn't want to pay for hosting or a domain doesn't want to deal with all the technical backend stuff and that overhead of the extra time of trying to figure out things because LinkedIn is free. And you know, that time to put in to kind of figure out how to just make it look good to look more like a portfolio rather than like a resume is definitely a lot less time than maybe spending countless days or weeks on WordPress trying to put together a portfolio. So there are simpler options that are also cheaper for things like portfolios, but if you want like a full-fledged resource website or like a media website, um, WordPress is probably one of the simpler ones out there.
0: Yeah. And and I would say so many of the plugins that are available for WordPress, a lot of times you can achieve and do the things you want to do with a simple add-on and some additional software without having to figure out how to go out and program it yourself or spend hundreds of dollars an hour on someone who will customize it for you.
2: Yes. Um, they also have great like page builders. So they're, like they're visual drag and drop kind of page builders where when you look at WordPress in the back end of like the page and you start typing in your content, it's just mostly like you're just looking at the text and you're not really sure what it's going to look like. You can go into the page builder, which there are free ones for WordPress that you could install like a plugin. One of them is Astra and it's free. And then when you're in the page view on the page builder, then you could just drag and drop like a content block, an image block, maybe some icons And then you can save templates so that you can go back and reuse them. It just takes a little bit of time getting used to like how the page builder works. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we sign off, would you mind sharing with our listeners how and where all they can find you?
2: Yeah, so you can find me on iLikeToDabble.com. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok as dabble And blog on Instagram.
0: Awesome. Yes, absolutely. Follow her on Instagram. She's got some (laughs) great stuff out there. Thank you so much, Daniela, for joining us today. We really appreciate having you on the show. Wow. Isn't Daniela's story and mission fun and interesting? John and I, via this podcast and via our debtfreeguys.com blog, have always been encouraging more folks to dabble with entrepreneurship, either as a side or full-time way of making money. Our queer money takeaway for you this week is to grab a piece of paper or your notes app on your phone. Write down 20 different ways you think you could earn a bit more money. Whether it's a hobby you love, some skill that you have via your job that you can exploit, or something you have been interested in or passionate about, write them down. Kickstart your journey of discovery to becoming a queer entrepreneur. We love that you listen to the show. We love having you as part of the queer money community. Let's grow a bigger LGBTQ community interested in financial wellness and security. Share what you know, share what you read, share what you listen to, to help more folks in the community. Have a great week. How does your bank support the LGBT community? Not at all? For Pride in June? Or 365 days a year? Capital One proudly supports the LGBT community throughout the year. Maybe it's time to support a bank that supports us. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash cafe for more info.
1: Commit, trim, lasso, automate, monitor. That's the debt lasso method and it's helped pay off over $250,000 in credit card debt in less than two years so far. See what it'll do for you by getting your free debt lasso calculator at debtlasso.com.